of the living God, we pour out our praise to you today. We thank you for the opportunity to come into the house of the Lord and hear the good news, the gospel, the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Use the messenger for us this morning as he comes and shares what thus saith the Lord. We are excited because our lungs cry out to you. We praise you this morning in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. You may be seated. It's so good to be together. If you haven't met me yet, my name is Forrest Buckner. I'm the Dean of Spiritual Life here, campus pastor, and it is great to be here together with you. Today is our second installment in our series of Paul's letters to, letters to the Galatians that we were studying through this semester on Tuesdays. Last week, we talked about the way that Jesus Christ is not simply Jesus' full name, like Forrest Buckner. Instead, Paul's first century readers would have heard Jesus Christ as Jesus, the Messiah and King, who comes to conquer evil, deliver his people, and rule over a just society. Like Simba from The Lion King, so fittingly modeled for us last week. We heard the invitation to trust in this Jesus, the Messiah and King, and to let our lives be marked by his grace and peace, both personally and in relationship with others as we live in the reality of his kingdom. So before we dive in today, i got to tell you a story. I really enjoy mission trips. One of my favorite things I've got to do is go on mission trips. They're so fun. One year I got to go on a mission trip to the Dominican Republic in college. And the Dominican Republic, if you know anything about the Dominican Republic, they love baseball. So we were building a house, we were building actually a school and, and, and kind of housing for the school. But one of these guys do is go play sports with the, the local people. And so we go out and play baseball with them. And I played high school baseball, I was playing college football, and I was, so I was, kind of, I was a lot bigger than everything, just imagine everything much bigger. <laughs> <laughs> and so we're playing baseball, and they start joking around, and some of you, it's, it's a while ago now, but the team I remember Mark McGuire, uh, and he was, uh, he was now the home run king at the time, since been discredited for steroids, but at the time. <laughs> <laughs> but so so their best player, he was very good. He said, I can say go, you McGuire. And so we're having fun, going back and forth. He's having a great day, I'm having a great time. So and they're killing us, and they're way better than our ragtag team of people who've never played baseball before. Uh, and so we get to the end, and it's the end, it's the last inning, and they're pitching, we're, we're hitting, and they're two outs, runners are second and third, and our the next batter's up, and they intentionally walk this person. Which is strange because they're going to win the game. What are they doing? They intentionally walk them, and actually, and actually intentionally walk two people to get to McGuire. So now, <laughs> McGuire's up to bat, the bases are loaded, and pitching is Canseco. So here's this duel between their best player and the American best player, right? And, and now, he turns around on the pitching mound, turns around the field, and tells everyone to sit down. <laughs> so all his fielders, in this kind of ragtag, you know, it's a Dominican field, it's not nothing special, they all sit down. 
So now it really is one-on-one. -on -one. It doesn't happen in baseball, but that's how it is. One-on-one. <laughs> and my stomach's churning. I'm thinking, oh, man, here's my chance. I'm going to be the hero. I'm going to hit a grand slam and show them that Americans are amazing and Christians are wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, so two strikes, come, yeah. Okay, here we go. Last one, swing, hit the ball. That was good. <laughs> but it was a pop-up. Popped up, shortstop got up, shallow, center field, caught the ball, Canseco won. <laughs> so disappointing. I was so wanting to be the hero, wanting to be the guy who just carried the day, hit the grand slam, did it, won it, yes! But I didn't. And I wasn't perfect. And I wasn't the hero. It was hard. And we joked. And it was, you know, we had fun. Like, I can say a couple minutes. And we laughed. And we hugged. And it was great. But I wasn't perfect that day. And that's a little seed that was planted. I think it's going to come out here as we go through our passage today. We're going to pick it up in Galatians chapter 1, verse 6. Today, actually, we're going to go through a big chunk, our longest chunk, before we're going to do the whole semester, so we're going to skip a little bit. I hope you can read, read the rest at home uh, later, uh, because we're not going to be able to hit it all. We're going to look at verses 6 through 10 first. And uh, it says this, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace and the grace of Christ, and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who are confusing you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, should proclaim to you a gospel contrary to what we proclaim to you, let that one be accursed. As we've said before, so now I repeat, if anyone proclaims to you a gospel contrary to what you receive, let that one be accursed. And am I now seeking human approval or God's approval? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still pleasing people, I would not be a servant of Christ. We'll pause there. So right here at the beginning of the letter, we notice again that Paul, Paul is showing us the, the reason he's writing. These false teachers have infiltrated the church and are trying to, to distort the good news that Paul had preached this to these churches in his previous missionary journeys through. Notice how shocked Paul is that anyone would possibly lose sight of the true gospel of Jesus. Paul's adamant. There's only one gospel of Jesus the Messiah. And any modifications to that gospel not only problematic, but anathema, bringing a curse, even if an angel could hypothetically bring that message. Paul calls this false teaching a different gospel as a joke in order to make his point. This different gospel was the gospel plus Jesus' gracious work plus some human effort, some religious act, some socioeconomic or racial or ethnic qualification tacked on. The gospel plus for these false teachers, at this time, the gospel plus was adding on to these people the requirements of the Jewish law. For me, it was achievement. Growing up, I found that if I achieved well, life was good. People liked me, adults patted me in the back. When I learned about Jesus and began to trust in him as a 14-year-old, what that meant for a 14-year-old, it was only naturally for me to start trying to be an achiever for Jesus. So, Jesus loved me and died for me, so now I need to achieve for him. 
So memorize my verses. Go to all the Christian programs and activities and chapels and whatever it might be. Be an exceptional student leader. Help others. Do things right. The gospel plus. These are all good things, right? Great things. But not when they become necessary for being right with God alongside Jesus' gracious life, death, and resurrection on my behalf. The 16th century reformer Martin Luther famously struggled with the gospel plus. He couldn't conceive of a God who would love him in his sin. And so he chastised himself and constantly carried the weight of God's wrath on his shoulders. He hated that God would put such burdens on sinful humans, but he couldn't find any way out. He knew that Jesus had died for him, but the plus of obedience and the perception of his holy, wrathful God was so heavy that the good news of Jesus was not good news at all for him. Until he really understood the gospel. What's your gospel plus? Is it Christian achievement? Programs? Going to things? Countercultural Christianity? Social justice, physical beauty, socioeconomic standing, racial ethnic identity. Is God's love extended to us in the crucified and resurrected Messiah enough? Or are we seeking to fill in the perceived gaps in that love through our plus? What are we adding on to the good news of the love of Jesus for us today? See, for Paul, there's one gospel and one alone. The good news of Jesus the Messiah. That Jesus who had shown himself to Paul. Now, how is it that Paul can speak with such authority and conviction about this gospel, about this Jesus? Verse 11 and 12 provides us with a main answer to that question. They say this For I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel that was proclaimed by me is not of human origin. For I did not receive it from a human source, nor was I taught it, but I received it. Through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Here it is. Paul is convinced of the truth and the purity of this gospel because God revealed it to him in Jesus. Simple as that. God made the gospel known, the good news known, through Jesus, particularly appearing to Paul on the road to Damascus when he was on his way to arrest and persecute Christians. Paul knows firsthand that this revelation is not based on anything we do, but it's based on God's gracious movement toward us in revelation of himself to us. Because God's revealed the good news of his unmerited love in Jesus, Paul speaks with authority and opposes anyone who seeks to undermine that grace. Paul knows it for himself. Do we? Do we? So from there, we're going to summarize Verses 13 through 2.10. We'll pick up again at 2.11. So Paul tells more of his story, including his conversion from his zealous, pharisaical, religious observations, and even his persecuting the church. In light of his transformation, Paul commits his life to sharing this good news of Jesus and opposes anyone who would make this gospel into a gospel of gospel plus anything. He says, no, I know the grace of Jesus and I'm not letting anybody add something onto that to make it less graceful, less free, less abundant, less loving. 
I told you some of my story about how I, I grew up as an achiever and then became a Christian achiever. And what would happen was when I would fail, like popping up when Sega versus McGuire, when I'd fail, I'd feel this burden, this weight. I blew it. I blew it again. And then I'd beat myself up. Depending on how bad I blew it is how long I'd beat myself up. Maybe a, maybe a day, maybe five days, you know, maybe, maybe a couple weeks. Oh, man. And one day, I made a mistake, and my, my wife, Janelle, looked at me and said, and I said, gosh, I'm just not perfect. She said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's wonderful. I said, what do you mean? That's so, yes, you're not perfect. That's right. I started thinking about that. So she said, you know what I think you should do? I think. You should start celebrating the fact that you're not perfect. Maybe even you should start, you should do a dance. Maybe you should make up an I'm not perfect dance. And just start, just start doing that dance. When you make a mistake, remind yourself that you're not perfect, but Jesus is. That you don't have to be perfect. You don't carry the burden of getting everything right in this life because Jesus and his love has come to us and carries us and knows that we're not perfect. We are broken, imperfect humans, but he perfectly loves us and comes to us in grace, grabs us as his kids, draws us up to be close to God in his freedom and love, makes us whole. I'm not perfect, but he is. And so I remember that day in our, in our, little, in our, the, our living room in our little house in Colorado, I remember starting, all right, I'm going to do it. It wasn't pretty, but it, was, it wasn't my first I'm not perfect dance. I'm not perfect! I'm not perfect! Let's read it. It says this. 
But when Cephas, that's Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he stood self-condemned. For until certain people came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But after he came, drew back, after they came, he drew back and kept himself separate for fear of the circumcision faction. And the other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy. So that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. When I saw that they were not acting consistently with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you compel the Gentiles to live like Jews? This is a remarkable story. Paul is bold and strong and courageous in this. He stands up to Peter, the leader of the church, the chief among the apostles who walk with Jesus, and he's standing up to Barnabas, his mentor and missionary traveler friend. He stands up alone for the truth of the gospel, that we don't do anything to merit God's favor toward us. God's favor that is extended to all people in Jesus. So what about you and me? Do we know that gospel, that good news, so much like Paul did? Have we experienced it that we would be able to say, no, in my life and other people's lives around me, I'm going to take a stand. I'm going to stand up to help them know, help myself know the truth and reality of Jesus who has come to us in his unmerited grace. In love, comes to us and says, I love you. There's nothing you need to do to prove yourself to me. I am caring for you and choosing you as my child, my brother, sister. Come to you with me. Do we know that? Will we stand for it? Do we remember that God's grace is for all peoples? As we trust in Jesus, that our lives are meant to witness this truth and reality of Jesus the Messiah, who has come to conquer evil and deliver his people and rule over a just society. In the gospel of Jesus, God extends his unmerited favor to us that transforms us to boldly stand for the truth of Jesus the Messiah that would transform us and transform our world. I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect, but he is. And he is transforming me and you into his people. A people who know grace. A people who stand on the truth and the reality of the gospel in word and deed, proclaim it. And a people who participate in God's transforming work in the world, the transforming work of the kingdom of this Messiah, in word and deed, as we live in the reality of the gospel of Jesus. May we be those people, not perfect people, but people who are loved and redeemed in Jesus, this Messiah. Let's stand and celebrate that as we sing our song.